Welcome to Conscious Collaboration, the premier show for authentic discussions with growth-oriented leaders. So welcome back to Conscious Collaboration, uh, the podcast series we have launched through Collaborative Coaching. My name is Yael Sibi, and I am one of the co-founders of Collaborative Coaching. I am so pleased to be here today uh, to speak to someone who is a leader I admire personally and professionally, actually the principal of the elementary school where my son goes. Her name is Ann Bodner, and she's the principal of Clinton School in Maplewood, New Jersey. Welcome, Ann. Thank you so much. I'm happy that I can join you on this podcast. Thank cool. You. Okay, so we've played a little bit, Ann, with this idea of what is conscious collaboration? So I hope that we can sort of experiment with this together today because sure. I think we're still refining this concept, mm -hmm. okay? So I have this working definition, and this working definition is conscious collaboration is both an attitude and a set of practices in working with and leading that recognizes that every interaction we have at work is potentially an opportunity not just for professional growth, but for personal growth mm -hmm. as human beings. And I'm just wondering... What do you think about this? Does this square with your experience? Like, talk to me about this. I, I completely agree with you. I think that so much of who you are, you spend so much time at work, right? So you're learning and growing and constantly, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, constantly putting something out there, taking a risk and seeing how things um, evolve. And I know for myself, I've been 20 years in this same school. I started as an elementary school teacher here and um, worked my way up through assistant principal and now principal, but every single interaction that I have, I reflect on and I think about and um, and it gr I grow personally. I, 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 I'm a completely different person, I would hope, <laughs> to at, from 22, 23 when I started until now, 20 years later. So you would hope that growth would happen, but I think being in and interacting with people you can't help but grow if, if you want to. And mm -hmm. um, so I, I definitely agree with your, um, with your definition. Um, it's a lot of who I am and a lot of how I live my life at Clinton School and working here. And can you talk to me, like, how'd you figure this out? Was this like a mentor that sort of tapped you and said like, oh, this is like a personal growth journey mm -hmm. or this is just kind of a reflection of who you are? You saw this happen. I think how I go about my day at work and who I am as a leader is a lot of who I, who I am as a person and the core of who I am. It's a funny thing, but not a funny thing, but I'm sure many people say that, <laughs> that their mother is a huge influence on their lives, but my mom really truly was. And I think I see so much of myself in her. Sometimes I say things and I said, oh my goodness, my mom would say that. But I think her influence on me, who was also an educator for my whole life, mm -hmm. um, and she substitute teached here and it would be, we'd have, you know, before school started, we'd sit and chat and make a connection for the day and then we go off and do she would be subbing and I might be an assistant principal and doing my job or she was sub for me and so that constant interaction with her and um how I how I was raised to treat other people and how she treated other people I, I had this mo role model a day-to-day -day role model of someone who I looked up to in every way and um I took so many of her good qualities I think and kind of instilled them in myself and, and had that same expectation. So I think it's, it, I, th I do, I think it's a part of just 
who you are. I, I think that's when it's authentic, you know? It, but it, who you are, it sounds to me, is like a curious person who wants to grow. Definitely. Is that fair to say? I would definitely say that. I think, um, you know, if you don't ask questions, you don't take risks, if you don't try something new, if you don't um, put yourself out there, um, you're not really growing and you're not really learning. And um, I think I have to, being the leader of a school, I have to model that because I want my kids to do that. I want my students to do that. I want my staff to do that. So I am constantly growing and thinking of things from different perspectives. And I always ask for opinions of others because I think it's really important to hear different perspectives. And I think people have life experiences that might change the way they view something that I might put out there or somebody might say. And it's very, very important to have that and continue to grow to, so that you, you, you evolve. I mean, we're humans. <laughs> we should be evolving mm -hmm. all the time and growing. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember if I told you one of my favorite <clears throat> sayings. I think it's from Gail Sheehy. It's like, we're like plants. If we don't grow, we die. Mm -hmm. And it, I, I feel like it puts the stakes very high, yes. but you're you're saying this is it's on your radar, your growth. Always. Always. So talk to me. You said you feel like in the past 20 years, you're a completely different person. Oh, yes. Can you talk to me? How specifically? I think when I first came out of college and you, you know, just learning something new and putting yourself, standing in front of 25, 11-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds, it's a little intimidating <laughs> that first time you walk in. But then to, and if anyone had ever told me back then, 20 years ago, that I was going to be principal of the same school or principal or a leader in any way, shape or form, I would have just cracked up and laughed. Um, I knew that there was so much I needed to learn. I knew that, you know, I, 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 I think about who I was and the confidence that the lack of confidence I had back then. But I think as you start to grow throughout the years and experience different things and start to make decisions, and, and I think that's in life, but I also think definitely in my career, you start to build some confidence in yourself mm -hmm. and say, oh, I, I think I can do this. <laughs> and, and, it, and I remember being probably my fifth year of teaching and saying, oh, I can do this job. I mean, you, you, you have to, you know, learn how to uh, learn the curriculums and learn all these different things and learn how, about 10 year old kids. It was a long time before mm -hmm. I was a 10 year old and kind of understand them and build these relationships with children and families. And so I think after five years, I said to myself, Oh, I, I'm pretty good at this. And then it started to get me to a point of thinking of what do I do next with myself? And I honestly, I, uh, I can't even, sometimes I laugh to think of myself as the 20 something year old who just school was hard for me growing up. It was, didn't come naturally to me. I had to work for every grade that I got. Reading was very difficult for me when I was little. So, um, so it was a lot of those things that didn't make you feel good growing up. And you bring that in as an adult sometimes, but then all of a sudden you find your thing and your connection and, and you start to blossom and you start to grow and you start to learn and build that confidence. And, but if anyone said to me, I was going on to grad school at that point in time, I would have just laughed. It's because school was not the, 
most fun for me um, academically. Um, I had a lot of friends. <laughs> that was fun. That was the social piece of it was so much fun. But um, yeah, and then I went to grad school and had to make a decision in my life what direction I wanted to go. And it just so happened that that this position of assistant to the principal opened up and I could take this leadership role. I, I still sometimes don't understand how I quite got there. <laughs> so there was something kind of serendipitous. Totally. Yeah, about it. And then your readiness kind of met. That I was moment. very lucky. I was very lucky. My yes, my readiness really met that moment of this position and this opportunity opened up for me. And I almost think that if I knowing myself and my personality, I have to feel really confident in myself because especially in the position that I'm in, I'm working with children. Mm-hmm. And it's really important to me that they get quality of everything. And um so I was an assistant principal for nine years. I loved this school. I was, this is a part of my school. And sometimes people would say, you know, you should be a principal. You should go do this. You, could, you should, you should, you should, you should. And I, but I wasn't, it just had to be the right time and the right opportunity. And it kind of all fell into place again when I went from assistant principal to principal. Do you ever feel like scared that you don't know the answers to things? I don't know if it's scared, I would say. Mm-hmm. I would say more that... I want to know the answers because I want to make sure that I can do right by the people that I that I'm I'm a part of my this community. So for me, I'm not so much afraid of it because I know I can find people who know the answer. Mm-hmm. And I'm I I work really well in groups, and I know that that's where I start to spark. So if I can get people together who have like minds in the sense of wanting to figure out a problem or wanting to um, change something or implement something new, if you get the same energy from people, it's not necessarily the same ideas all the time, because I think that's important to get people from different perspectives together, Mm -hmm. um, because we need to look at things from all different angles. But I think if you can get, if I can work with people with the same amount of energy, it's like sky's the limit of what we can accomplish and do. And, and that's what I've noticed about this, the Clinton community is that whether it is parents or students or faculty, people have this energy and just want to do more and do the next thing. So it's, it's infectious. I, I, you know, we've in the past two and a half years that we've been here, we've made some big changes Mm -hmm. and, but it's not, it purely was not because of me. It was because, everyone wanted to see things change and try something new and all parts came together and um and we're doing it and it's pretty cool so if you think about that group stuff because it clearly energizes you Mm -hmm. it sounds fun Mm -hmm. to you any thoughts on how to be a leader of a diverse group of people to get you know different perspectives mm-hmm. to the table? They're going to be different. We were talking just as the podcast started, different ways of relating to all kinds right. of things, right. time and decision-making, and maybe even what's most important in right. a school. Like, How do you balance all that? Um, I think we definitely have different, within this community, we definitely have different thoughts and ideas and ways to approach something and i think it's super important to for everyone to feel respected and that their opinion is respected and that we are going to truly listen and look at things from all different perspectives of the people who are in that um group um you know this community is such a diverse community in every sense of the word so you're bringing people with different background knowledge different experiences together and 
we have to respect those different opinions. People do things and approach things in very different ways. So to give people opportunities to have their comfort zone appreciated, but also maybe to start to expand their ideas and their roles. And that's just from listening to stories and people and, you know, making connections with people and building trust. I think that that's how we move forward and um, get stuff done. You know, I was thinking about, there are a few times this year and I've reached out to you to say, oh, that was a, that was a cool moment. That was a cool moment. And I just wonder, because I'm thinking of two things mm-hmm. in particular. One was there was this thing on the first day of school. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> when all of a sudden it started raining oh. and it was difficult to know were, were you going to use <laughs> one door or many yes. doors. Then later, what I it wasn't even the thing that struck me, but it was your note later when you reflected and you apologized. Um, I'm just wondering if we could look look at that sure. as a little moment of truth. What was it like for you? How do you oh. approach this? <laughs> so nothing, I think, in an elementary school is more important than that first day of school mm-hmm. for, for parents and children, but mostly parents, especially kindergarten parents. So they don't know us. They don't know our kids, or our, our teachers yet and our staff yet. And I just want that moment of getting eye contact between the teacher and the parent mm-hmm. to happen so that... Everyone can breathe a little bit when they let their five-year-old into a building that they're not quite sure Mm. of. So it was about five minutes before school, the bell was going to ring and it started to downpour, maybe a little bit earlier. And I had to make a decision in the moment of what we were going to do. Normally, whenever it rains in the morning, we bring the kids in and they sit in the auditorium and then they are able to go to their classes when the bell rings. Well, Nobody really knew their teachers at that point. Kindergarten parents are dropping them off. And, you know, normally we don't have parents come into the school because for safety reasons, but also it can be a lot of people. But how do you in any way, shape or form have a kindergarten parent just drop their child off? So we had kindergarten parents only and coming into the auditorium. And then I had to kind of separate everyone to have the teachers come down and greet them and bring them to their classrooms. Not all kids knew where their classroom was. Even if they're a fifth grader, that changes every year. So I had to make that decision. And I knew right in the middle of it that this wasn't going well. (laughs) You know, we were having everyone go through one door and it was just, there was, I just knew. But afterwards it was, I know when I, I think you have to be human. And I've, I've been bringing that up a whole lot Just this past year, I've been reflecting in a sense on that. Um, But be a human. If you are on the other side of this, what do you want from someone? And an apology and real life, oh my goodness, that was was a tough, rough morning Mm -hmm. and to apologize for it. And I think I even said in my my email, um, we'll have a do-over tomorrow. It's supposed to be sunny and we'll start over and the teachers will come out and greet them and so that we can have that eye contact. That's just so important on that first day. And um, I did, I, I remember getting an email from you and saying, you know, thank you for that. And there was like a few that I got. And I just, I will, when something doesn't go right, I will always be transparent. I will always apologize. I will always be human because I'm not going to be perfect. And I'm going to um, make decisions that might not always go as it plans in my head. But um but yeah, I, I find that people respond to mm-hmm. that, that that humbleness of, oh, that wasn't the greatest call, that everyone was safe, everybody got where they wanted to be or needed to be and things like that. 
But there's something about an yeah. apology. That's it's what I noticed. Completely. And when it's heartfelt and earnest and you didn't, what I just loved is you didn't get defensive no. and you didn't ignore it. No. Where'd you learn this? How to do this? I don't know. I, I you know, I don't know. I, 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 when I was teaching also, that was a big thing for me. I mean, for children to hear us apologize. I mean, there's, you have 25 fifth graders that are talking all at once and maybe I would get upset about something or, and I know it. And I, and I would stop and say to them, I said, Oh, I, I'm so sorry. I, I got angry over something. I just, I, you know, I, I, it was too much. It was everybody talking or whatever, but I, I lost it a little bit. I'm so sorry. And, and they pull themselves together and we move on. And I think that's the biggest thing about apologies is that it allows people to understand who you wronged, that you did something wrong and you internalize it and you're going to do your absolute best to never let that happen again. And it lets you move on because people aren't going to be perfect. And that's in our lives as people or our work lives and it doesn't matter how old they are or just apologize <laughs> yeah I can't remember if we talked about this before but it's so interesting to me how much this mirrors the research on parent child what they call sort of psychological ruptures mm -hmm. parent yells at child feels bad and there's a temptation to sort of move on and not name it because I'm the parent right. but actually what the research tells us is just Coming back to repair that rupture yes. enables us to truly move on yeah. because also the child, you know, needs something. There's like some pain or hurt. Yeah. Like restore it. Restore it. That's this, it, right. This relationship yes. because you're going to damage relationships at some point in time mm. or make someone feel badly. We're all human going mm. back to that. We're going to make these mistakes. But it's what you do with it afterwards that, you know, it's it's these relationships you make with people are worth apologizing for mm. and um so i i agree with that 100 percent um and i will always apologize when and, and and doesn't even i might not quite understand it but if i hurt someone's feelings I, i'm going to apologize even if you didn't mean it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. how do you teach teachers to do this or do do you i do a lot i mean i do a lot I just model. I okay. just be myself and I do what's important to me and hope that someday people, maybe teachers or maybe hopefully children will, um, they will, they will just see it and, and, and kind of internalize it and do it also with students. We do a lot of, um, restorative practices here. We're going to talk about that. What does sure. that mean? So restorative practices is, um, basically there's two ways of looking at it. It is, building community within our classrooms and building trust and, you know, getting to know one another and taking really a whole year to do that, to form a community within our school. And then we also look at it as a school, but then the other piece of it is people are going to make mistakes. They're going to hurt other people's feelings. That's just life. They don't, I mean, we, but we have to know how to repair that and restore that, that, that relationship. Mm -hmm. And so that we're all welcomed back into the community. You know, it could be an argument about Foursquare on the, on the, you know, at recess, or it could be something more where, you know, where someone really wronged someone. Um, so I think we are, by doing these restorative circles and restorative um, practices, we are teaching our children to do just that, to build these relationships, to build connections with people 
but also when you do make a mistake that we apologize. And, and one of the questions we say to them is after they get a voice and say what happened mm -hmm. is, well, what are you going, you hurt somebody's feelings. What are you going to do to repair that? Mm -hmm. And what can we do to make this situation better? A lot of times it's just an a heartfelt apology or a note. And then we have conversations about what happened though. And just because if we don't talk about it, the same mistakes going to happen and over and over and over again. But I think if we put light on it and make someone feel like they aren't being punished all the time, that they, they're going to learn from it. And that fear of um, getting caught or making a mistake can be pulled away where we can, they know that they are going to have the opportunity to make something better. And we can talk it through. So it's a big part of who we are um, at Clinton. I'm really struck by the fact, because I, I think if we circle back to this whole notion of conscious collaboration, mm -hmm. you're doing this at multiple levels in this building, Definitely. right? It's about creating that a community and that sort of mindset for your teachers and your staff mm -hmm. and for the students. Definitely. Right? It's important for our students at the youngest level to be able to start building social skills and building confidence and, you know, making making them look at and reflect on on what they're doing um you know sometimes i think at the younger levels it's more important that we're teaching social skills and teaching how to get along and teaching all of these great things because you know what you're going to learn to read and you're i'm go you know you're not going to leave clinton school not being able to read or you're not doing mathematics or think in a different way but i think it's really really important that we give kids opportunities to kind of interact with one another and practice these skills because that's what that's what's going to stick with them for their lives mm. who they are and 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 it's I take it very seriously that I'm a part of helping children grow and learn into the and become the character that they're supposed to be it's it's um yeah. Kind of tremendous when you put it's, it that way, cool. right? It's pretty cool. And was this part of your education, this focus on social emotional learning and understanding, this was as much a part of education as the academic stuff, or is this part of your own process as I, a well, person? When I was in college, when I was on, in undergrad, I don't think there was anything that had, I mean, we had child psychology, but yeah. it was really not Minimal. about the social emotional piece of mm -hmm. children. I don't know. I think it's it's very important to me that when I'm around people and it always has been that everyone's okay. Like, how can I help you? What can I do for you? And and um, but you know, and building these relationships and connections with with someone. Um, so I think a lot of the social emotional piece that I bring into this school is something of it's just what I think is important and mm. kind of who as a person and who I am, um, because that connection and that relationship is so important to me. Um, it's reminding me of the second thing I wanted to bring up this year that was, so, and, and I, and I think, you know, it got like, went on Facebook, oh. this email, this thing that you sent to the community as testing started. Mm. <laughs> and that was again, such a beautiful moment um just to let our listeners understand um we were about to start park testing which is right this yeah. uh, statewide standardized, test, testing, standardized yeah. testing and you wrote a note to the students you want to tell us about <laughs> that note and what was behind that so it was a note just about saying based in a nutshell that what those test scores um tell us is not who you really are in all aspects of your life and you know i think for me i i had talked a little bit before about how 
school was not the easiest thing for me. You know, I, I, it took me longer to read. It took me longer to do things. I never felt very confident in my academic ability. I, I grew up in this community also. So to be the principal, <laughs> the principal of the school and um, to feel that way growing up, um, I don't want my kids to ever feel that way mm -hmm. because it took me a long time to build confidence that I could do something. And, and, and it's, there's so many different ways to be smart and it's not necessarily being able to read the 20 chapter book at, you know, second grade, or it's not necessarily being able to do, you know, algebra and skipping grades and all those things that mm -hmm. it's, it's more about what finding what you connect with. Mm -hmm. And that's why at Clinton school, I try so hard to make sure that we give as many opportunities to our kids as possible. Um, the PTA would often say to me, you know, what do you think about this? Or what if we brought this program? In? And, and I always say yes. And when teachers come to me and say, I want to try this and I want to do this with the kids, I, it's very rare that I will say no, because I'm saying no to an opportunity that might hook or engage a student in something that they didn't know they were good at. Um, so we try to find all of those different things, whether it's an art show or a, um, artists or residents coming in and working with students or um, bringing in meditation and yoga mm -hmm. in some of the classes or, you know, being a leader and finding your, your voice, um, being a student government president. So all these different things are opportunities that I want our kids to go through when they are five years old, straight through to find what makes them feel good. And so I, um, I never did well on standardized tests. I never did well on SCTs. I never did well on those things. But what I could do is sit in a classroom and, and hear something that was really engaging to me and have a real conversation or um, kind of look at that social emotional piece of something and, and be there for someone. And, um, and just, uh, so I, I, I think that's what I was trying to say because I remember getting those test scores home and never feeling that I was adequate enough. Mm -hmm. And it, um, I, if I could get rid of standardized, I mean, we use standardized testing because they're always going to be around. They need to have something to gauge. I totally understand wh why they feel they need to have them, but I think there's so many other things that we should be testing also mm -hmm. and, or not testing, but, but appreciating and, and valuing, yes. um, other than just, you know, your, your ability to read at you know, fourth grade or whatever it might be. What I love is this idea that by instilling this mindset early, early days for these kids, you may actually be avoiding a script from forming about what's better than, or what, you know, because yeah. I think for us as kids, it was just clear, like higher score, better, yes, yes, right? Exactly. It was just exactly. assumed. Exactly. And that's why we give opportunities for our kids to create the cover of the yearbook and to, you know, they draw it and they do all of these, you know, beautiful pictures. Or that's why we have the PTA puts on the, the school play every year to make sure that so many kids have the opportunity to to maybe tap into acting. Mm -hmm. um, you know, th this community also has so people from all walks of life and different careers and and they are very generous in sharing what they know and do. And um, so they, you know, we open our doors. Anyone wants to come in and do something cool with our kids, just come do it. And um, I think people like to do it here. It's, 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 our, our, our kids are so, um, 
hungry for knowledge and experiences and they try anything. And, um, so people feed off of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I think our kids are really worldly when they leave here. They ha- I, it's my goal that they have the ability to walk out into the world and middle school mm-hmm. <laughs> or, but, and have a foundation of, I connect with you and I, I, I care about you. And, you know, our theme this year has always been kindness and yeah, we it. every morning and every afternoon I'm on that loudspeaker and I say have a fantastic day and be kind to one another we talk about what kindness is we talk about you know we've had assemblies where our kids created the assembly on what kindness looks like we have I mean we had a kindness walk I mm-hmm. it's just a march and we talked about what a march is but but also talking about kindness and just being kind to one another and and um that's what's important to me, mm. that they can leave here and they're just kind kids that can live in a community that's as diverse as you can ever imagine. And everybody has, feels good about being together. Mm. Like, how, how does it get better than that? I know. Yeah. I know. Um, do you ever think about how to instill this mindset of kindness amongst teachers and staff? Or is that just implicit? Like, how do you think, think about that? You know, I, I just... I think we have pretty kind staff. Yeah, that's my experience <laughs> I, 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 too. I'm just yeah. wondering how explicit yeah. do you make I this? think, you know, I think it's just the culture of this building. And I think I, it's, I've seen us evolve over 20 years, mm-hmm. Clinton School. And, and I've seen, you know, so many different people come in and, and, and retire. And people stay here a pretty long time. But I've seen with this particular staff in the last few years is that, um, they're taking initiatives. They, you know, they come to me and they, I mean, we're, we are a leader in me school and, um, Stephen Covey's seven habits of highly effective people. And they came to me saying, I think our, I think we do a lot of this already. Let's like move forward. So the staff read the book and did all of these things and, and, and they're the ones who are driving this. And we had a hundred percent buy-in that we wanted our kids to kind of create their own school and their own school environment. And that's really what they're doing. Every opportunity that I can give to a child to make announcements or announce an assembly or, you know, they have a job posting and they find what they're good at and they, they apply for those jobs within the community or within the building. And that all came from the staff because they think that that's important that our kids learn these school, these skills to be, really good leaders, not just at Clinton School, but take it with them wherever they go. What does leader mean to you? I mean, it's in a word, it's a word that we use so much, or just leader. I mean, what does it mean for a kid to learn to be a leader? Um, That's a good question. I, I, I think, I think to feel proud of being who they are and sharing that with somebody. Mm. And I think that's what we try to do here. And to learn about themselves and what makes them really great people and find that little niche that they have that maybe others don't have that they can share with one another. But also, I think they're learning to be part of a community. So so you're a leader, but I think they also know that you need other people to do things together to really make change. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do that. Like our student government this year, they are... Um, pretty amazing. They've done some really awesome things. Um, the last thing that <laughs> the student government, and they kind of, it, it, what's interesting is we do have a, a, we have a president and a vice president, a treasurer and stuff like that, but 
even the kids who are at who are classroom representatives really have a huge say and have the opportunity to do something. So they've broken into small groups and did different projects. Mm. So the last one we had was um, our a group of fifth graders wanted wrote a made, created a PowerPoint trying to convince me and the PTA to get a bearded dragon. Bearded dragon? Yeah. What does that mean? But the, you know, a dra- like the bearded dragons? No, like I don't know about these that. nice big lizardy kind okay. of reptiles. It's a real animal. And, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and they wanted so one. So they want one. And they wrote a very, very convincing, persuasive presentation. We teach persuasive wow. writing all the way from like kindergarten. So by fifth grade, they're really skilled at it. Did they persuade and you? They were very, very close. My biggest, my only problem, the only problem I had was, what are we going to do over the summer? Good question. Because I am not taking a bearded dragon (laughs) home for the summer. (laughs) I'm just, and that's what I said to them. So I said, that's the one problem. Go back and try to figure out what you're going to do, like what we would do with that. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have three days of school left and they're still trying to figure oh, that out. Still so, oh, they're still trying to figure it yeah. out. Oh, yes. They, they're not giving up. And the funny thing is they're in fifth grade, so they will be in middle school next year. So they'd be leaving this beautiful bearded dragon for everyone else. Um, so we'll see. It's that That's going to be... I'm not a huge dragon fan, uh-huh. but you know, I, that it's hard to say no to kids who do everything that the right way and really try to convince you. And they yeah. were empowered. It feels to me like you created the conditions for them to feel empowered, yeah. right? And for them to take responsibility and tap into what excited them. Yes. Well, it's funny because I always know when the persuasive uh, writing unit happens at Clinton School because I have stacks and stacks of letters from all different grades of, Miss Bodner, we want to do this. And Miss Bodner, we want to do that. And these are the reasons why. And, and it's funny how you see it evolve year after year. So they're teaching persuasive writing throughout the years, but watching it evolve in how it grows and they get more and more convincing. Yes. And to parents as <laughs> exactly. well. Exactly. Well, that's what I always, I said at kindergarten orientation. I said that persuasive unit, I said, I guarantee you somebody's going to have a dog at the end of the end oh, of totally. the school year. We are, we are in that conversation yes, right exactly. now. That's right. So it's, and, and they, and kids are really reflective and think about it and pick the real points. And, you know, if you give them a a question about it, they will stop and think about how to, you know, overcome that question or give you an answer. And, and that's where my fifth graders are right now with our bearded dragon. I'm so curious to know what, what will happen. Um, Three days. (laughs) Two last questions. Um, I'm wondering about um, kind of, difficult moments for you as a leader and what's challenging for you as a leader and then maybe we we finish up with some lessons learned and maybe they're connected what's challenging for you as a leader challenging for me is having to make the hard decision i want people i want everyone to be able to wake up in the morning and want to come to school or to work every single day and i am quite being a person who being a teacher here for so many years and really doing my having my whole career here I've made 20 year relationships with people mm-hmm. um I've been to staff weddings I've been to you know baby showers and all these personal personal real life 
experiences with people and we've gone through so, and they've done for me too. I, we support one another. And so I know, so I kind of feel like we're all in this together. And in some ways, maybe I took one for the team. I'm like, all right, someone has to be the principal. I'll do mm. it. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, for mm. me, it's, it really is about shared leadership, I guess, in mm. some ways too. But being a principal, you do have to make some decisions and you do have to, that aren't going to be popular for everyone. And it's so, so difficult for me sometimes because it's in my nature to care for one someone and not in my nature to disappoint or hurt somebody or make them feel badly. And um, so, but as a principal, you do have to make those decisions. And what I always go back to is what is the right decision for the, for the children? I never make decisions out of spite. I never make decisions out of, you know, I'm going to get you or anything like that because that's just not who I am. I make decisions and bring it, always bring it back to the children. Like, okay, a decision needs to be made here. It's not going to, it might not be the most popular one for somebody. Mm -hmm. um, but is it in the best interest of the kids that we serve every single day and that we want to see grow? And if I can say that, then I can stick behind it. And I, and a decision is never, ever, ever, a tough decision is never taken lightly. I probably think too much about it sometimes. Um, but there are those day-to-day -day moments like that you have to make and you go with your gut sometimes and your own, because your gut, what, what drives your gut is, I, I think is who you are. Yeah. And if and you're confident in that, then I think you're going to, Chances are, if you don't make necessarily the right decision, you know you did it with the best of intentions. Mm -hmm. And then if it doesn't happen and doesn't work the way you think it's supposed to work or isn't it successful, then you reflect and you say, okay, what could I have done better? Mm. And apologize for it. <laughs> right, and we come full circle. I was thinking of what is the gut because it happens so fast, but I'm thinking you're talking about it's you know about who you are. It's about your intentions. You clearly have a guiding star about what's yeah. best for the children. And I'm also thinking by now you also have a few decades of experience. Yeah, it's a little crazy. It's a little crazy. <laughs> like that's in there too, right? Yeah. Um, any final thoughts on lessons learned? I mean, obviously a lot, but what are some things if you were thinking about a new principal and mm -hmm. what she or he is going to have to face or consider what are a few lessons learned that you might offer? Um, I think what drives me um, in what I do and the best advice I can give to anyone when it comes to um, if they were to be a principal is to build relationships, mm -hmm. build relationships, build connections, build trust, because there's going to, there's a lot of things that go on day to day in, in a school that, especially when it comes to parents who are so far away all day and, and trust us every single day with their most prized joy. Yeah. I don't, I want them to feel confident dropping their child off to mm. us every day. And I don't take that for granted in the least. And, but I think that if everyone can trust us, we are going to make the best decisions for their children. Mm. So that's, it's just get out there, get to know people, get to know your, their stories, understand, you know, who they are, their backgrounds, their culture, their, you know, and, and, and enjoy all of it because I, that's part of what I really enjoy about my job is, is meeting people and talking to people. And, you know, I've created so many friendships here. It's mm -hmm. and not just staff and students, but families mm -hmm. and that I still see. And those are the things that are going to mean so much in the end. And when you make a mistake, they're going to say, oh, she made a mistake. It's okay. We're going to move on. I can forgive her. I know that she's sitting there thinking about it and how it can change. And, but that relationship, it means everything. 
Mm. It means everything. That's and that's how I kind of live my life at Clinton School. And it's fair to say, it seems like that's how you are, just yeah. as a human. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I like people. Yeah, I feel I that. I feel <laughs> well. I want to thank you for two things. Number one, having another really fun conversation <laughs> with you. me. I, I keep wanting to continue this. And number two, thank you so much for being the principal of the school where my child goes because. <laughs> I just feel so lucky that Thank you're the you. leader of our school. Thank you very much. I feel proud to be that leader and feel so good with all the relationships and friendships that I've created here with my yeah. families. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.